Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where a couple pastor scholars dig into the assigned text for the upcoming Sunday in the Revised Common Lectionary. I'm your regular host, John Drury. I teach systematic theology and spiritual formation for Wesley Seminary at Indiana Wesleyan University. And my guest this week is Amanda Drury, who is a director of the Imaginarium here at Indiana Wesleyan University, as well as a uh, associate professor of practical theology in the School of Theology and Ministry. And she's a regular guest here and uh, my wife and close friend and favorite preacher. And so hopefully you'll enjoy our conversation um, as much as at least I do. Uh, so this is for this episode is for the fifth Sunday after Pentecost, which this year is July 14th, 2019. So this should be dropping about a week out. Um, so it's the famous Good Samaritan uh, parable in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. So enjoy the show. Let's jump in with, uh, the, we're looking at the fifth Sunday after Pentecost, uh, on, looking at Luke 10, verse 25 through 37. And Amanda, if you would read, I'll say a prayer after that and we'll jump right in. All right. Luke 10, starting with verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for this day which you have made. We give you thanks for this hour that you have granted to us with the opportunity and the task of exploring the written word of God. 
And so we give you thanks for this text as it encounters us this hour and ask that by your spirit, we would be granted the guidance necessary to perceive your living word in and through these written words. For though we are grateful for the gifts and skills and capacities that you've granted to us to understand uh, the word of God in its written form, we know that we are sorely limited. Even at our best, we fall far short of encountering the living Christ if it is not by your spirit who unveils him to us afresh. And so we ask for that guidance that unveiling power by your spirit for Amanda, for myself, and for all who are listening in, separated by space and time. Lord, we entrust this hour to you. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. I think this is like maybe your third time. Third time. It's third time's a charm. Mm-hmm. Not that the others went bad. Just <laughs> Uh, what jumps out at you? That's kind of how I tend to always start, just because it gets us going. What 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 jumped out at you today as you were reading this text and listening in? Sure. Uh, what what really grabbed my attention? This isn't until about the end of the passage when he's giving the denarii to the innkeeper. It struck me for the first time how much the Samaritan is having to trust the innkeeper. <laughs> I mean, he he leaves with him not only this man that he found on the road, but he says, I'm going to come back and pay you more. And, you know, who's to say that this innkeeper isn't crooked and is going to charge him way more than what he's. So so it's it's this. Uh, yeah, it, it's an act of faith, not only to 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 pick him up. It's also an act of faith to leave him. Huh. That's classic, classic Mandy. You see some character that <laughs> I've never noticed before. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that was not intended as a dismissive thing, but just that ability to to notice a little uh, hmm. little character, an innkeeper, especially fitting because like there's there of course is no innkeeper in in Luke two, but but they always say he stayed at an inn. He invented the innkeeper at Christmas, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and he's always a total butthole, you know, because he won't let them stay. <laughs> So, tale of two, tale of two innkeepers, right? <laughs> Just thought of that. Oh, that is fun. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, an act of trust, right? I mean, an the Good Samaritan's known for his compassion, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And his choosing to help for his neighbor love. But the fact that neighbor love includes also promising, trusting, you know, moving into the future. Yeah. Not just a quick response, put the band-aid on, but he's like taking a risk, you know? Putting yeah. Putting himself at risk. And he's not assuming that he has to be the one to care for this man by himself, <laughs> which I know is is my tendency, uh, my own pastor's heart that thinks, you know, I'm the one solution here or mm. this is going to fall apart if I'm not if I'm not a part of this. But for him to to see himself as just a limited character in this man's story, you know, an, an important role, but uh, he doesn't need to be the primary caregiver. Yeah, that's striking because that implies a kind of a mean between two extremes. In other words, so for all your listeners, she just smiled and laughed. Because uh, he does that all yeah, the yeah. time. <laughs> <Again>. <laughs> all right. So what's the mean well, between have, the extremes? Yeah. Of course, on radio, you know, you have to laugh out loud or they don't know. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Or I could just say I'm laughing every time I am. I'm grinning right now. (laughs) 
Well, it, it's only interesting because it's the one side of the equation that we usually don't notice in passage like this, at least I don't, right? Mm-hmm. Is you've got one extreme is the complete lack of care, yeah. right? The lack yeah. of compassion, the lack of neighbor love in the Samaritan, I mean, in the, not the Samaritan, excuse me, in the chief priest, in the Levite, who have good holiness codes that keep them from helping him, right? right? So they're distracted by that. And then the other extreme would be this character that's not in the story that you're kind of invent. You're, you're putting yourself in the story and saying, boy, if I were to do this, you know, if, if I were to act like the good Samaritan, I would probably have the opposite problem, which is maybe fall into, a, you know, this other extreme, hmm. which would be thinking that you have to do everything, yeah. taking it on completely. Yeah. Uh, what a savior complex, <laughs> you know. That's why, you know, if, if compassion is a virtue, then it's – and it's clearly has something to do with our affections and it would moderate our – you know, it would moderate our care and concern for others and our desire to help. And there actually could be a version of that that's too much because it would cloud judgment. Right, Because right. the fact is I, you know, maybe the best thing for this person is that I hand them off to this innkeeper, um, even though it might make me feel – like not just a good Samaritan, but the best Samaritan. If I take them home and make them part of <laughs> uh-huh, my family, uh-huh. and maybe that's right. I mean, it's not. It's not saying that's why mean between two extremes is virtue thinking, and mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. it's avoiding. It's saying because virtue language can apply in lots of cases where the best thing to do might be completely different in two situations. Sure, because the circumstances are different. Yeah, so yeah. it can vary across circumstances, and then that makes me wonder if I know for me. Like I'm almost a kind of mirror image of you in this regard, I think, where like if you're going to like go in too much. Uh-huh. It's not that I lack the compassion. It's that I am terrified of what that will entail. Sure. So I am tempted to not get involved. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden I have mm-hmm. a new read on the Levite and the high priest. Yeah. We always assume, although it doesn't mention anything about the Jewish law about touching. We, right. we always just assume yeah. that that's the motivator. And it may be mm-hmm. given other mm-hmm. things we know, but they're not Pharisees, interestingly. Right. Yeah. I mean, it would apply to a priest and a Levite, but it's not the it's not your usual character that we're seeing who's not helping someone because they're concerned about their own holiness. Right. Right. You know. Right. So it might be that, but it could be if I help this guy, I'm now committed to keep helping him. And I got to be honest, that's it's not that I don't notice people that might need help. It's just I feel if I start, it'll be too much and I won't be able to handle it. Yeah, you know, yeah. So that's why the mean between streams helps me even see the other extreme that's more obvious in this text. Sure. Does this make any sense? Oh no, that, that yeah, that does make sense. That does so make the Samaritans sense. right between me and you mm-hmm. <laughs> the perfect <laughs> the perfect middle between you know enmeshment and uh, <laughs> escape or something. I don't know. Right, right. Enmeshment <laughs> and escape. There you go. There I don't know. Go. I'm just winging it, but. Wow. What else? I mean, we can come back to that theme if we want, but what else jumped out at you that even if it's going another direction, it's fine. Uh, well, just as you were talking there, it was occurring to me that when the good Samaritan functionally said yes to the, the man who had been beaten, he was saying no to something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the Levite, the priest, they said no to him. I mean, maybe they were going back to do all kinds of great, wonderful ministerial type things, but, but there's a, a limitness of, of time, I think here and in, in agency in terms of what I can do. Uh, it just makes me wonder, where was the Samaritan off to? What did he have to say no to in order to care for this man? Right. Because we know he had someplace to go. Otherwise, I don't know, maybe he would have stayed at the end. But clearly, he's going he's gonna to go off and do something and then come back. Yeah, and as far as Jesus' original listeners, they might be thinking, yeah, he's going to go off and be a, <laughs> you know, 
Uh, dingleberry? Dirty Sumerian. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't find the word dingleberry. <laughs> I, could, Thanks, I, could, I could tell you're trying to say something with a D, so I, I just supplied that for you. I think I was going to say dirty, I think. I don't know. Okay. But then I felt weird about it. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, there's clearly like he's playing on some kind of stereotyping about the Samaritan. It's not mm-hmm. obvious, mm-hmm. but how it fits. But no, that's striking. I mean, that's why, I mean, parables are tricky, right? Because like, it's really easy to just take a parable and think it's an example of how to act. And yeah, sure. Right. But there's always more to it, right? You read the prodigal son. Is it saying like, this is how you should treat younger siblings who take all your stuff, right? That that would be too narrow. (laughs) Right. Right. Clearly it has this broader meaning. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that raises some questions and it's precisely the broader meaning that makes this a more radical text than, I mean, I don't know, man, this isn't fun for me to say, but maybe it should be the one who it's not fun for to say it. Uh, Like, this is not a good text for like, uh, like you're mentioning what he said no to. Mm -hmm. So this is not a good text for promoting like self-determined boundaries. Sure. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It's boundaries. And a lot of people talk about boundaries, but a lot of times we think of this is suddenly occurring to me in this conversation that a lot of the way we talk about boundaries is caught up in certain modern assumptions of an individual that can determine all their own limits. Okay. Yep. Right. Whereas like boundaries means, yeah, limitations, but um, there's only so much you can do. Right. But I mean, obviously the priest and the Levite would be extremely clear examples of having good boundaries they've said yes to their ministry in yeah. jerusalem yeah or jericho was this on the way to jericho on the way toward uh, jericho from, from jerusalem, jerusalem down to jericho yeah. right so they're heading down to jericho you know and whatever it is that they have to do down there maybe it's important they've said yes to that and our yeses entail no's right these are this is standard boundary talk right yeah. that's yeah. why i don't like saying this because i i feel like it's pushing me how am I holding, am I holding my own boundaries loosely enough to see with compassion those in need who might interrupt hmm. my own flow? Sure, sure. Um, that's why it's maybe me who needs to say this, because who knows, maybe you need more boundaries, but. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a hard text to preach on, because I feel like it's really easy to just make the overextended feel more guilty. Yeah. And how to draw someone who is sort of protective of their time and energy, like myself, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. how to draw them out, yeah. you know, in a way that doesn't just, you know, put the wall up. Right. Right. You know, which actually maybe is a good segue into the framing. Cause of course, Luke, it's not just a standalone parable. Yes. It's, it's in the context of a dialogue. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe it's a little early to do this, but let's take a, let's just take a quick break and then come back and maybe let's focus on that for a little bit. Sure. When we get back, not to the exclusion, but yeah. Yeah. um, Okay. And we're back. I'm here with uh, Amanda Drake and we're talking about Luke chapter 10 verses 25 through 37. Uh, kind of famous Good Samaritan parable. And we kind of chatted back and forth about the parable, familiar parable for, I, I think, probably a lot of listeners. But uh, but yeah, uh, right at the end, they're kind of leading towards remembering, actually, this parable is in the response to a question, mm-hmm. right? So maybe it'd be fun to to chat a little bit about that. Did you have any 
any thoughts or any observations or questions, hunches, what, what have you, uh, concerning the kind of lead in to this story, uh, 25 through what, 28. Yeah. What jumps out at the other? I'm going to, I'm going to read this again. Yeah, go ahead. A lawyer stood up to put him to the test saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Hmm. So this this man seems to have a lot of things going on. He's putting Jesus to the test. He's wanting to justify himself. It seems like there's a lot of a lot of motivations right. going on that are just below the surface, which of course Luke is somehow able to magically know. <laughs> well, perhaps. Well, I know that's definitely a. I mean, well, he's he he's an omniscient narrator. I'm not mm-hmm. saying he's an mm-hmm. omniscient god, but I mean, you know, like he knows things. That justifying himself that shows up in Luke quite a few times. There's a passage okay. in in 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it talks about Pharisees that are seeking to justify themselves. So, and he's the only one who has the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in the parable, uh-huh. in, in the temple, praying, one standing up, one bending down. You know that famous, the God, yeah. merciful me, a sinner. And it says, and they went, went out. It was this man, the tax collector, who was justified before God, not the Pharisee. So there is this kind of, and of course, whether the... Again, the the authorship of New Testament books is tricky because, you know, the name Luke doesn't appear actually in the body of the text. Right, it right. would have been on the first page of early manuscripts, but you just don't know. Um, and whether this is the same Luke as the one that shows up in Colossians is, again, um, ambiguous or at least mysterious. But he clearly is part of Paul's circle, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. he shows up in the we passages in Acts, right? So the fact that he uses the language of justification more than the other gospel writers mm-hmm. doesn't seem too implausible that you see a little bit of a little bit of uh, Paul's influence. Sure. You catch what I'm saying? Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so I just mentioned that to say that like you can feel some Pauline energy. I do at least behind a story like this. It only this, this parable only appears in Luke, but this dialogue's in all three synoptics. Sure. So we may get into the, the weeds of that. Mm-hmm, I've got my synopsis mm-hmm. here as I usually do. But yeah. um <laughs> but 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 this part the desire to justify himself lines only in Luke. Okay. That's his way of continuing the story um mm-hmm. after this dialogue. But this notion of people trying to justify themselves does really stand in contrast to the God's gift of justifying us that is the you know the Paul's message in his letters. Yeah. So I always say that it's always it's always easier to bring Paul into connection with the story of Jesus uh, or the gospels through Luke than some of the others because of some of this. Is sure, that making sense? Sure. Um, that was just a random, you're, you're grinning. Something's coming. Oh, I, well, I'm just thinking about that word, uh, justification, justifying yourself. So we've got the, the man here justifying himself. I imagine the Levite and the ah. uh, priest would have all kinds of justifications yes. that, that, that they could give Re- probably really good reasons. Good reasons. Uh, some of them, and and the mistake isn't whether those reasons are good, <laughs> right? The right. mistake is that they're justifying themselves, right? Right, and you know the good Samaritan, we is named that by us 
not just because of his act of compassion. The act of compassion flows from the fact that he's not seeking to justify himself. Right. Maybe. That's yeah. a possible read of the story. Yeah. Um, Nor is he trying to discern whether or not this man is worthy of his that's help. right. Like, I think about how... Just with if you watch the news today, you, you hear a story that doesn't quite sit right, but perhaps you want to withhold judgment until you know more information Ugh, or you're yeah, that's it, me always. <laughs> you're, you're not you're not willing to. Well, maybe there's another side of the story here. You know, that that right. type of language, which which there's some there's some truth there. But, but that's me an excuse to not act. It, yes. And the Samaritan here isn't isn't asking, you know, is it did he deserve to be beaten here? <laughs> uh, is he worthy of uh. me trying to heal? irrelevant right it's irrelevant and then back to your question is the stuff the samaritan needs to get to down in jericho more important than helping this man maybe it is right that's not the issue yeah that would help to get us out of the kind of because you can get stuck you can get paralyzed thinking i have to help every single person who needs something right which is physically impossible and jesus knows that right so then the question is like what's the mindset that leads to the Levi, the Levite and the, and the high priest, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's precisely their commitment to good things, right? right? Right. But in a self-justificatory way, I know that's a mouthful, justificatory, <laughs> <laughs> but in kind of a self-justifying, that would probably be a more normal word. There you go. That works. Word. I believe justificatory would be a word. Oh, right it here. does work. <laughs> it's just a little overdone. Right. Yeah. But a, in the self-justifying mode. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's it's that that lets the good be the enemy the best. Right. 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 Um, or the right become the enemy of the fit. Like what's mm-hmm. the fitting thing to do in this moment at this time? Yes. And yes. right now it's helping this guy. And, and, and right? I, I think one of the reasons why this is so important or at least so helpful for me is especially right now in this day and age in which we live, yeah. uh, where we have access to neighbors all across the world. You can find people in Somalia or Mongolia or, uh, you can, you can almost come up with, um, reasons why these, everybody is your neighbor and it just gets overwhelming mm-hmm. because you, you literally can be connected with so many different people. And, and here the emphasis on, uh, your neighbor is the person that's right in front of you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's being present in the present moment. Yeah. Of course, that gets into a, another interpretive puzzle because, of course, Let's go there. Maybe come back to that if we can. But like all that operates on the assumption that the man on the side of the road is the neighbor, which is not how Jesus tells the story. Oh, (laughs) Jesus. But we should think it's confusing because the guy asks, Mm -hmm. who is my neighbor? Mm -hmm. And Jesus doesn't answer the question, A, directly because he gives a parable (laughs) and a parable is always an indirect mode of communication. Yeah. And furthermore, it's a doubly indirect because what does he ask at the end? Now, which one was a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Yes. So he basically, I hear Jesus saying, wrong question. Huh. Question isn't who is your neighbor. The question is, are you a good neighbor? That's the question. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, I thought you'd like that. (laughs) I kind of want you to say it again. The question is not who is my neighbor. Mm -hmm. The counter question that Jesus asks is, are you a good neighbor? That's the question. Not even a good neighbor. Are you a neighbor? Because what it means to be a good neighbor is to be a neighbor. Right. Neighbors do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and neighbor, like you said, this comes back to what you're saying. I'm not, I'm trying to come back around to it indirectly, 
because the root word for neighbor in Greek and in Latin and in German, it's all just the word for nearness. Prox- hmm. it's, in Latin, it's proximos. Interesting. Okay. okay. Um, in Greek, where is it? I forget the word off the top of my head. Um, it's right here. If you give me a sec. Yeah, placion, right? And it's related to closeness, nearness, hmm. proximity. In German, the word for neighbor is, is nachsta. Uh, or nachher, I can't remember if I'm saying which one right. One of them means next. One of them means neighbor. I'm getting the two words mixed up, but it's all about proximity. So it's definitely like neighbor has this sense of who's the one who you genuinely encounter. Now that raises questions. Can we set up our life in such a way that we never encounter needs? Maybe get to that later. But but right now I want to agree with you to say that your neighbor is the, the person right in front of you. But in a way, that's the wrong question. Jesus is answering a question with a question, which is, well, who's the most proximate neighbor uh, to you? You, right? Yeah. Are you a neighbor? Yeah. That's the real so, question. So this is jumping ahead, but could you make the case that in the story that follows that Mary yes. is being a good neighbor to Jesus? Sure. The, the, the closeness to his feet, the, the proximity. Ooh, yeah. Right. And you can see how Martha seems to be, th- that's why they go really well together. And of course, they, both these stories only appear in Luke and they're very fittingly next to each other because they actually do set limits on each other. Mm-hmm. And in a way, the Martha Mary story is the better one to talk about boundaries, <laughs> you know, and very fitting. Actually, the order is good to have this first. Yes. It's kind of like help those in need, but don't just help them, <laughs> you know, like pay attention. Where's Jesus in mm-hmm. the midst, mm-hmm. right? So that sets a certain, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So it's almost like two neighbor questions. You can almost carry it to the right. next one. Yeah. Who's the better neighbor in that story? It ends up being the one who isn't doing the thing you expect your neighbors to do, which <laughs> right. is serve. It's like, it's not about, that's why that's, why it's helpful to avoid just, if the good Samaritan is just reduced to doing good things, it actually contradicts the entire sense of the yeah. passage, which is about not justifying yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Seeking to justify himself. Jesus says, well, here, you know. The question, who is my neighbor, is only asked by the person who wants to justify themselves. Mm-hmm. Who do I owe compassion? Yeah. If I'm asking that, I'm not going to be able to be the neighbor that Christ is inviting me to be. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Right? That'll preach. Yeah. Say it again. Say it again. If I'm asking who is my neighbor, what are the limits? Mm-hmm. What What are the limits of my compassion? Who yeah. who To whom is my compassion owed? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then I'll never even be... The neighbor Christ is calling me to be. It wasn't as good the second time. That's okay. You asked me to say it again. But I don't know. I didn't write it down. <laughs> um, thanks for the affirming mmms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hopefully those were loud enough to get picked up. I'm sure. But yeah, it's it's got to be. So I feel like that flip around needs to be highlighted. And it's connected to your observation of him self-justifying. Because if you're self-justifying, you're looking for... Limits, boundaries, have I done enough? Right. You know? Right. So, okay, the Samaritan, it sounds like, was traveling with oil and wine and bandages. <laughs> oh, yeah, the detail. I mean, he's he's traveling in such a way that this kind of care is possible. Hmm. Yeah, Aquinas, in his section on charity, talks about how lo- the love of charity is the readiness huh. to do the acts of love to those we encounter. It's readiness. Okay. So that means it's there, whether it's being acted on or not. Yeah. And that seems to fit this, this, your description there. I mean, I 
typical me to ruin a good story with a scholastic concept, but I think <laughs> hopefully I'll, it doesn't I'll, ruin no, it. No, I'll, I'll like that. And then I'll jump back in the story and please. say, uh, maybe, maybe the Levite wanted to help, but he had nothing to do. You know, he sees this mm-hmm. bloody beaten man, but he doesn't have a donkey. He doesn't have the bandages. It's just, uh, yeah. keep warm and well-fed. I mean, he doesn't have anything to give other than thoughts and prayers. No, that's good. So there's more than just compassion here. There's a readiness yeah. to act on mm-hmm. the compassion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could almost tell it. I mean, not to improve on Jesus, he did a great job. But you could say, <laughs> like, a high priest came by and, you know, didn't even notice him. Then someone else comes by. They notice him but don't have compassion. Mm-hmm. Then someone else comes by. They notice him. They have compassion, but they don't have anything to help. Yeah, yeah. You know, another comes by, notices, has compassion, doesn't have anything to help, but stays and waits with them. mm and yeah. then finally someone yeah, yeah, comes yeah. who notices, has, you know, like you can kind of add a few characters, not to improve sure, on Jesus, sure. but just to highlight the full orbed, what you're getting. Cause there really are a lot of beats in the Samaritan, right? When he saw him, he yes. had compassion yes. Yes. and he went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own mm-hmm. beast and brought him to an inn, right? And yeah. took care so of him. He goes out of his way to find him. The, the Levite and the priest go out of their way to not on walk the near other him. side, yeah. right? But prior to the binding and the oil and all that, you have three whole beats, right? right. Seeing him. Mm-hmm. The others see him, right? But he has compassion and it's the compassion that moves him to go to him. And then the binding and he's ready, you know, to help. That phrase is what caught me, the seeing and compassion, mm-hmm. mostly just because I was in... Uh, Luke 15 for a long time on my own personal study. Okay. And it was around the same uh-huh. month as, as I recorded. Uh, so this is kind of out of order. We're not out of order. Actually, we're going in order, but the, the lectionary jumps around a little, the, the revised common lectionary, because there's like great texts for the Lenten season sure. and Good Samaritan goes really great yeah. in Lent, yeah, right? It does. So that one's kind of plucked out of the context of the going in order through Luke. So it's like Luke is your C in the lectionary. It's like January, February was kind of Luke just kind of marching through. And then there's like a break Hmm. for Lent and and Easter with Luke and passages, but not. And now like after Easter, now we're kind of picking back up where we left off because I think Aaron, Aaron and I did the bulk of the, the pre Lent fresh text apps. And, and we kind of went, it went up through about, we got up through the Sermon on the Plain in chapter six or something like that. Okay. And then now we're picking back up right the first week after. Sorry to do this. is kind of, well, it's kind of fun. Why am I sorry? I don't know. Mm, go ahead. Um, we pick up, we picked up, I think I had an episode with Kwesi um, Kana on mm-hmm. chapter eight from Luke. So we're kind of picking back up and now, and there was some stuff from nine and now we're in 10. So we're kind of going through Luke this summer is right, what I'm trying to right. say. So that was all a long way of saying that. It's very convenient, though, that we already did the prodigal son, even though that's not for another five chapters. That's Luke 15, mm-hmm. because it's this exact same wording, yes. exact same language. Yeah, when he so saw that was him, my long way around. Yeah. Yeah. And both of those, again, are only in Luke. And Luke only parables. And both the father and the Samaritan move towards the person. Yes. There's a movement yes. as well. All three, right? He saw him. And, and, giving, and giving new had, clothes. And... Had compassion, went to him. That's running. Yeah. And then... Bound him and put oil. That's like bring the, put the. The robe, the sandals, the ring. Ring on us. Right. Mm-hmm. And then bring him in and have a party. So I feel like there might be some signs of Luke and style here too. Yeah. Right. Where yep. it's kind of not to just end in that, but the fact that those two parables only appear in Luke, 
the image becomes really similar. It does. It does. Which then is really striking because I don't know about you, but we almost always preach the prodigal son as a story of the father is God the father. Yes. I, and we yep, always preach yep. the Samaritan. Like we are. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't know. I, I want to play with it. I want to flip it both ways. Yeah. I want to say, well, maybe the maybe we're called to be like the father in the prodigal son. <laughs> yeah. And in this story, maybe this is at least, if not full-blown allegory, you don't want to overdo it, but that this is a picture of Christ as the true neighbor. He's the Samaritan, as it were. You know what I mean? Sure. Who's yeah. binding yeah. up humanity. That's how the – I'm sure that's how the early fathers – I know Augustine does that with the good Samaritan. Huh. You know how – this is, you know, Israel is lost and they need to be helped. And, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Boy, uh, going back to the the lost son, we have both the lost son and this man who's getting beat up, they, they, they fall in with the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he fell among them, it says. And hmm. I, I, I just think that's striking as well. That they're, even though the lost son, you know, has made Again, his money's line in it. But by choice. By choice. In one, but not here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. But there is this this element of being acted upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he is, it's not his fault that there's a famine. Right. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those resonances with the prodigal son story are really clicking for me in a way I don't... Again, if you... this, I went on that long excursus about the lectionary to just highlight that sometimes there's upsides going out of order. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because right. I just wouldn't... I don't think I would have noticed that if I hadn't just spent a lot of time in Luke 15. Sure. Here. Maybe my mind would have thought of it. But it's like... It's so... Pres- it's like... It's almost like the exact amount of herbs, right? It's so lined up. Yeah, yeah. Which then really makes me want to explore the image of God in the Samaritan here. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, mean that in its double sense. It's a picture of who God is and he's being a true human, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because we're the ones who bear the image of God, which comes back to the original framework, right? Which is what are the two basic laws, right? Mm-hmm. Loving God and love your neighbor which are in a sense just two sides of the same coin, right? Love right. God and God's image, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just thought I'd – because it's – I mean, Luke really does tinker with this quite a bit because, of course, mm-hmm. this in Mar- Mark and Matthew, it's all about what's the first commandment, which is like a debate of the time. Right. Because he drops that. How can I in- inherit eternal life, you know? And so he doesn't do the first and second commandment kind of thing. Yeah, well, let's – uh Let's take a quick break and maybe come back into that and start exploring where we might go with this uh, in a sermon direction. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. Our text this week is Luke chapter 10 uh, verses, uh, let's see, uh, make sure I have the right verse. Yeah, 25 through 37. So it's uh, July 2019, and I'm here with Amanda Drury, and yeah, we've been kind of exploring the text a little bit. It's a parable, Good Samaritan, but also kind of this framing uh, stuff that has to do with, you know, love God, love your neighbor, who's my neighbor, am I a neighbor, all these kind of things. So thanks for uh, geeking out with me about all that and planting some seeds for where we might go. So uh, yeah, yeah, so for our listeners uh, who, you know, who are maybe working on sermons or teaching, maybe this coming Sunday, maybe further out, or just for those who aren't working on their own kind of teaching, but just want to hear a half-cooked teaching, where where, sure. where would we go with this? Let's let's write a sermon real quick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where would we want to focus in? 
I think I would, I would probably want to try to retell this story a few different times from, from a bunch of different perspectives. Mm-hmm. So to try to retell the story from the perspective of the Levite or from the man who's been beaten, um, from the oh. perspective of the, of the Samaritan, from the perspective of the innkeeper who is suddenly very inconvenienced. I mean, is, is this a common thing for innkeepers to do to take in, yeah. uh, injured, injured people? Maybe even the animal, if you can do it without getting too cheesy. You know, what's it like to all of a sudden you've got this burden that you weren't expecting? Uh, so I, that's probably where I would start just to see if that sparked anything for me. You could almost do a sermon just retelling the story four or five different ways, which, which could be fun. That's where I would at least start to get my creativity going. Yeah. Well, the first thing I'd say is if that's where we start, why didn't we do that a half an hour ago? <laughs> I'm just messing. But I guess here's a question. What's the what's the through line? What's the string that holds oh, those pearls yeah, together? Yeah, right? Because yeah, yeah. cause I, I'm totally with you that like the natural way to tell this story would be to pick it up from these different sides. Mm-hmm. You know? Although ironically, the a whole other way of doing it is different characters outside the parable reacting to it. Sure. Gee, yes. You know, the disciples, yeah. the Pharisees, the the man who asked the question. You know what I mean? Right. It's the same technique, though. Right. Um, so I really like that formal, that way of doing it. And it would be a good disarming technique because if you could really, I mean, you really have to be genuine about it, but you actually would have to enter empathetically into the Levite and the, like, yes. if you just paint yes. them as villains, it's not going to work. Right. But if you can really name the reasons. Yeah. And then actually one of the twists you could do is when you get to the Samaritan, have him think all the same thoughts. All oh, the, have sure. Him have all yeah. the same reasons. Right. Self-justifying right. reasons. Yeah. But he's moved with compassion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it doesn't say he had a different thought. <laughs> right? Yeah. He's moved with compassion. That's what makes the difference. Right. Not the thoughts. Mm-hmm. You can keep having all the thoughts that say, I don't have time for this. I can't do it. I don't have what it takes. I don't have enough. He's a Jew and he probably will make me he'll probably whisk me away you know because of course the man might not want his help yes (laughs) so yeah i think that's a great idea i'm still looking for the the thread and maybe i mean maybe we can we could play with my i mean the heart of my thing whenever i preach on this passage next it's gonna be something about the way that jesus changes the question that's Mm -hmm. like to me like Mm -hmm. that's so crucial and so seldom recognized yeah and this is taught it's usually preached as if um the man on the side of the road's the neighbor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. keep an eye out for your neighbor it's the person in need right which is fine it's not false but it just seems to maybe counter the flow of of christ's own uh exposure of the self-justifying mentality hmm. of the of the rich lonely lawyer and i don't know that would be the through line maybe for me would be self-justifying is, you know. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I just thought of it. Oh, what, what you got? What Sorry. You got? I was talking and now no. I'm excited interrupting myself with more, <laughs> more me. Sorry. That'll happen. You go ahead. <laughs> no, keep going. I want to hear it. <laughs> uh, it's the phrase. Um, you'd go, you could go into each character and that could be a couple minutes in each character kind of okay. go into their thought life like you were suggesting. And at the end, just stop and say, he was desiring to justify himself. Hmm. 
right? And then you go, the Levite, and he had this, and blah. you make up a whole story, right? <laughs> the way right. that you're so good right. at, right? right. And a lot of, some people are really good at that. I need your help to do that part, right? Get inside the world and then get to the end and be like, but he, he was seeking to justify himself. Right. Yeah. And then when you get to the Samaritan, then you go into it all and you get to, and you get, you get through his thoughts and then you say, but he was not seeking to justify himself, but rather was moved with compassion. Yes. Right. And yes. then you, I feel like that could be, cause it, I feel like this is a story about excuses. Right. As right. much as it is about anything. Yeah. And then you could still do your. I don't know if you'd get to do the donkey and the innkeeper, but that's a, <laughs> I think that's okay. But that's uh, filling it out when you go, those who compassionate, but I mean, you're really the, the, and that would be in terms of the Lowry loop, that would be the kind of midpoint. Yep. So yep. you'd have a three points getting you to the middle. And then when you're coming out into the positive, filling out the detail of what it means to be compassionate, we're setting a clear contrast between compassion and self-justification. Right. And then compassion we get into the details. It means paying attention to others' needs. It means being ready. We talked about that, readiness. Yeah. And then the trust, trusting others to help you help others. Right, right, right. That's the innkeeper move that I really liked. Well, thank you. And I think it'd be good to end even a sermon and say, good, let's not be just good Samaritan individuals. Let's be a good Samaritan church. Let's be a community yes. that helps yes. each other help the world. Yeah. And not try to just, you know. So for some of you, the Samaritan on the side of the road is your... Is your spouse who's doing all the volunteering. Right. And you're doing none. You know what I mean? And maybe you need to help them. <laughs> and if you're doing a bunch of volunteering, stop doing it all yourself. Get some help. Yeah. Yeah. So I still like that move. I, I wasn't trying to cut that out by saying, but it, it is such a natural triple to go priest, Levite, Samaritan. I just feel like I like that repeating, you know, the, just, he was desiring to justify himself. himself. I wonder if you, if you could do something with state farm insurance. <laughs> so even their tagline, like yeah, like a good neighbor. Okay, yeah, yeah. cheesy. But um, well, they actually get of, it right. Being a good neighbor is being there for you, right? Uh huh. <laughs> uh -huh. But <clears throat> c compassion is not insurance. I mean, there's there's the sense in which there's all the the the, the fine print mm, for mm -hmm. well, this counts. No, this doesn't count. Well, we can help with this, but, but not, not this. with that. So uh, you're the real good neighbor. <laughs> you know, other people try to be good neighbors, but it's not. Um, I just thought of a trick that you use in your prodigal son sermon uh -huh. where you say, now what about like repentance and should we just keep on sinning though that sin yeah. abounds by no means? And you say, yeah, re does repentance matter? And then you just say, but that's a sermon for another day. That's not what we're doing. I got that from you actually. Well, I was going to pretend you didn't because <laughs> a wise man once said, yeah, it's a good move. You got it from it's me, but you move. did it yeah, and you do it yeah. better than I do. <laughs> But I just thought of one, like, I feel like that applies here about the boundaries thing. Okay. Uh, from earlier, like that you're bringing up the, the setting all those limits. Cause mm -hmm. then this mm -hmm. is just me coming out. Cause I'm, I'm, you know, I think like a lawyer, yes. I think like an insurance salesman. I'm like, we have to have some limits. Like you really can't, I mean, you know, there yeah. are limits. Yeah. Right. And it occurs to me that you could make that move in this sermon where you could say now is it just means it goes on into infinity and you just are a doormat and everybody can take advantage of you and you have no boundaries. Yeah, sure. But that's a sermon for another day. In fact, it's next week. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If you're preaching on Mary Martha next week, mm -hmm. you literally can say that's next week, right? This week, I want you to hear the radical call of the gospel to be ready to help those you encounter. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, and furthermore, to put yourself on the kind of road 
where you're going to see need, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, see, I feel like that's a trick you could, that's a little, yeah, just a little move that I think would be helpful here. See, at the moment you start introducing any kind of boundaries or limitations in this sermon, not yeah, in general, yeah. but on, this, on sermon, this sermon, you actually end up undermining the message of the sermon because then you're behaving like the teacher of the law. Right. And I feel Seeking like... to justify. I just feel like so many sermons I've heard on this passage ironically re-inscribe the lawyer's point of view. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> By saying, hey, be like the neighbor and then you'll justify yourself, you know, like, because no, if you're still trying to justify yourself, then you're going to miss the opportunities. Right. Right. So a lot of a lot of sermons or things that I hear about this passage have to do with asking that question, who are the Samaritans today? <laughs> uh, and, and, and I, I do think there is some, some fun, interesting, convicting things you can do with that in terms of, you know, who are the people that you, uh, uh, shy away from on the subway. I think what's more helpful for me though, is to put myself in the role of the person who's been beaten up and asking myself the question, will I accept help there you go. from this person that yeah. I might not be comfortable. So, so it's and not that captures it more. When yeah. you flip it, the Samaritan's not the one on the side of the road who needs right. your help. Yep. And the way, if we teach it that way, yes. yeah. we're actually not And I think we do that accidentally sometimes. Uh, we, we conflate that and then we're um, talking about loving that person that is so different from us. Because we take the lawyer's question. Because we take the lawyer's question. Instead mm -hmm. of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Because Jesus's question is, who was the neighbor? So what does it look like for me to graciously receive love and care from a Samaritan? Yes, so then that's almost a whole different sermon. Yeah. But I still like it. I mean, again, the thrust of the sermon is the go and do likewise. So mm -hmm. it's the invitation to imitate the Samaritan. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, I think it, it raises a whole, yeah, whose help am I ready to receive? You know? Right. Whose compassion? You know, whose compassion do I think I'm not better than? I know for me, <laughs> that's what helps me grow in compassion is when I allow others in to be compassionate towards me. Yeah. Cause yeah. I don't like help. I mean, you know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, I mean, I don't mind people. I don't mind. I like delegation. That's different. Sure. Here, here's a bunch of things you can do. So I don't have to think about them. That's different. I love that, but I like my space to have, to actually let, myself be served by yeah. those whom I do not respect mm -hmm. is in fact what helps me then become a more compassionate yeah. person. And I, I, I have a story about that actually. Yeah, go for uh, it. Not, not so much. I didn't respect the person, but I did not. Well, I'll just, I'll just jump into it. Too late. So <laughs> you think they're a Samaritan? A few years ago, I was uh, working as a chaplain at a nursing home and uh, you encounter a lot of people with Alzheimer's. And there was one particular woman who kept talking about the the Kennedy boys. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she did this and that. And I had just assumed, oh, okay, this is another person. She's making up stories here. And I went back and spoke to my supervisor. And she said, no, you need to Google this woman. Mm -hmm. So I Googled Dr. Deborah Wolf and find out she is uh, this African-American woman who had this uh, one of the highest positions in the government educational system. She knew that she spoke of the Kennedy boys and just this revered. <laughs> she wasn't BSing. That was no, real. no, this was, she was, yeah. she was legit. But by the time I met her, she was close to the end of her life. Yeah. Um, she was really struggling. And, and I went to her, I went to her apartment once just to, just to pay a visit. 
And I come in, you know, not consciously thinking I am the Samaritan coming to the neighbor, but, but I'm, right. I'm coming in thinking I, you know, I am the, the, the priest, yeah. I'm the chaplain coming in here. And I walk in there. And the first thing she says is, can I get you some orange juice? Now, this is a very small woman who is holding on to a walker. And so yeah. like she is shaking. She needs both hands on the walker. She's shaking. And I say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. And she says again, do you want some orange juice? And I said, no, I'm fine. And she interrupts again, do you want some orange juice? And I finally said, yes, I would love some orange juice. Mm-hmm. And, and it took, I don't know how long for her to go to the refrigerator and to, um, <laughs> pour this glass to bring it to me. And we had a, a wonderful conversation that followed, but, but there was a sense in which, I needed to receive her hospitality as an act of, of dignity and respect mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and allowing myself to be, to be served. Did she make you sing? We shall ever. She did. She did. That's the, yeah, that's All right. Second verse. Go. She, yeah, she, so, so she says, so do you know, do you know the words to we shall overcome? And I said, well, I, I, I think so. And she goes, sing it for me. <laughs> And so I, 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 I start and I, and I realize I don't know as many of the words as I thought I did. So I'm just repeating something. And then she jumps in. And so I kind of die out. And then she's singing at the top of her lungs. And she goes, now sing with me. So I start singing with her. And then she goes, now just you. And so I'm singing louder. And I don't, I, I mean, by the time this was over, I was close to screaming this song out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I... <laughs> But it's just this this fantastic experience with Dr. Deborah Wolf and um and allowing myself allowing myself to uh be under her authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was saying maybe that's a whole different sermon, but then it then it occurs to me that it's kind of how you could end the one we were just sketching, mm-hmm. you know, just like we did now, where you kind of teach about becoming you know, a good neighbor and letting go of self-justification, leaning yeah. into compassion and then just saying like, yeah. And the, you know, it's like, I, I literally just closed my Bible right now. It's like that moment of the sermon where you just kind of close your Bible and tell the story and just kind of say, you know, you know, how, but how do you become more compassionate? And the, the story doesn't tell us how the Samaritan became a person of compassion. Right. Well, and it may, it may start with when he was on the side of the road and yeah. someone helped him. Yeah. yeah. Right. And you just share and you can share a story like that, or obviously, you know, anyone who's listening in, it'd be the story from your own life to have been served by those who you, you know, didn't, you know, think much of mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how that can break you out of your hierarchical and boundary, yeah. uh, boundary monitoring thinking yeah. and self-justification. Well, Cause when you've been. And, and especially for pastors who we yeah. see ourselves as we are the people that come in and, and bind yeah. up and heal and do this and that. Yeah. And tell a story of someone in your congregation who, uh, who helped you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you were trying to be their pastor and they pastored you <laughs> and how that helped you become more human. Right. And uh, compassion is a beautifully, distinctly human characteristic. It's, you know, I mean... A dog, you know, yeah. animals, as far as we can tell, you know, animals can feel pain uh-huh. and they can feel all kinds of things. They can be attached even, you know, but, but do they have compassion? Maybe they do, but, but I know what compassion is. I can see it in someone's face. It's, it's a thing that it's this distinctly, this powerful human capacity that's just beautiful yeah. and is the image of God in us because yeah. God himself is compassion. Is there a word for 
someone who gives compassion but can't receive it? Well, I mean, one example that comes to mind would maybe be God. <laughs> and that at least hopefully highlights the the pride. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I think okay. it's pride. Yeah. Uh-huh, right? It's uh-huh. hubris to be one who only gives and does not receive. Mm-hmm. Because it would only be God who is in no need of our compassion. I mean, God uh, in becoming um, human in Christ, you know, but it's through his humanity that yeah. he's receiving compassion. He's, but God is already the compassionate God by his very nature. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what immediately comes to mind. So I think the yeah. word is pride. <laughs> I uh-huh, think that's the uh-huh. straightforward, it's the most straightforward answer I could give for it. And guess what? It's pride that makes you think a Samaritan's help is too good for you. Right. So that's why it's, it's, it's receiving the help of, of others, especially of those who you didn't think highly of. Right. That breaks your own pride. Mm-hmm. And it's when our pride is broken is when we're released to true compassion. Yeah. Not self-justifying compassion. Right. Because right. if, if you only show compassion on others and never receive anyone else's compassion, it's a self-justification strategy. It yeah. has to be. Even whatever your thought patterns are, it just is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why are you doing mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Unless you're God. Oh <laughs> well, it's late. You need to go. So oh, we should wrap it up. So um, thank you so much, Amanda, for spending an hour and for spending this time in the text and for being regular guests on My Texas. pleasure. It's really, really fun. Thanks. Um, I want to say a big thank you to um, Eric Fisher for his production work um, and for uh, Todd Bouchard who helps out with that as well. And to Tom Adamson for donating the uh, theme music. And uh, yeah. So we thank you so much for uh, being here and uh, make sure to uh, subscribe to us and rate and review us on uh, iTunes or wherever you get your um, podcast. And we're so thankful that you uh, listened along and we'll say have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye.